What up? Thanks for joining us. We're here uh, after a rousing Timberwolves opening night victory. Victory over the Detroit Pistons, which is uh, better than an opening night loss against the Detroit Pistons. And uh, Chad and I just wanted to jump on for a few minutes here, give some uh, initial impressions, initial thoughts. And then we've got uh, some Vegas over-unders, some prop bets uh, queued up for you for the, the second part of this episode. So, Chad, thanks for jumping on and joining me here. Uh, what are your What are your thoughts after a rousing, like I said, opening night victory? Well, fun game. Um, you know, good to see basketball that actually matters for the Timberwolves since it's been almost a full calendar year. I thought they had two really good quarters, mm-hmm. being the second and the fourth, and two really, I, w- I wouldn't say awful, but bad, more of the same, more of what we saw last year. Quarters. Well, the first quarter was awful. It was awful, but they had a lot of those quarters last year, right? So, yep. like, <laughs> it's like, it's. I wouldn't say it was like they took a step back in that quarter. It was just more of what what we saw from previous Wolves teams and not what we had uh, necessarily expected or hoped to see from this team. So yeah, it wasn't, that wasn't good. Third quarter, you know, wasn't, wasn't a lot better than the first, but mm-hmm. it, um, second and fourth, I thought they were, they looked really sharp. You know, I think had Lehman and Hancho had their shots been going down, it would have been a totally different game. It would have been a 20 point win probably um, because they had a lot of missed open shots. We had a lot of misses, at the rim, like where we just couldn't finish, missed layups, missed. I mean, some of them were contested, but they're still, you know, shots you expect an NBA player to make more times than not. And not that anybody did anything wrong, just, you know, they're halfway down and pop back out. So it's just, you have those nights. So, um, but, you know, I thought overall, I mean, like you said, it's better to have a start off with a win than a loss. Yeah, I think the talent disparity was really evident tonight. I mean, the, the Wolves couldn't hit the broad side of the barn from three for quite a while, and they missed what felt like a dozen layups at the rim. So um, they were getting shots where they wanted them, but they just weren't falling. But at the same time, they were able to really, when they put their foot down and they tried to separate themselves, they were able to do that right at the end of the game there. And Detroit's got some good veterans on their on their roster. I mean, Jeremy Grant was a good addition, and Plumlee showed well tonight. Uh, Blake and D. Rose, obviously, um, have been around the block once or twice, and they aren't the same players they used to be, but they, can, they showed the Timberwolves a, a thing or two tonight, especially... Against do you know the, why defense? Do you know why Rose didn't start? I mean, is that going to be the plan? I didn't. Oh yeah, I, I don't think he started last year either. He's he's clearly their their sixth man. Oh okay. So, I mean, I knew last year he didn't, but it's like they made a lot of. They only have like four guys left from last year, so I just kind of assumed they were, uh, you know, going to let him start. But I mean, he's he's definitely the played better than you know their starter. I mean, he was arguably their best player tonight. But yeah, yeah I understood. Hayes starting because you want to get your rookie in there and he's kind of the future right. for them. But DeLon Wright starting at the other guard right. spot when he's already a tweener between the, the one and the two didn't make a right. whole lot of sense. And I, and I like DeLon Wright as a player, but he, to me, fits more like a six-man because, mm-hmm. like you said, he's a tweener. So, like, you know. Anyway, yeah. I thought, you know, obviously D'Lo didn't start because of, um, you know, some COVID protocol stuff he missed. Um, but so that, you know, was a surprise right before the game started, but, like, you understand why. Whereas then when Rose did, I was like, oh, I wonder if it was a similar issue. Mm-hmm. But I guess... I, I guess I assumed he would be starting this year for them. No, it's more their plan. I mean, Rose still ended up with 27 minutes, and Wright only had 19, so it, it still played out the way you'd expect it to. But, um, but yeah, I think that's just their, their plan and what sure. Rose is either comfortable with or what the Dwayne Casey wants him to do right now. And um, whether it was for, because of D'Lo not starting to do the the COVID protocols or the fact that 
everybody needed to get some excitement out and get their, their sea legs under them a little bit. The start could not have been much worse there, Chad. I mean, the first three possessions on offense were a contested three by Beasley, a contested three by Akogi, and then a three off the side of the backboard with one second left in the shot clock by Rubio. And I can't imagine that's how they wanted to start the game or what Saunders had written up. So No, not, and even yeah. Rubio, like you sort of expect, and I fully expect him to you know, be like this the rest of the way, but you expect him to kind of bring in some level of calm and stuff in there. And he even just seemed shaky. Like he wasn't sure what mm-hmm. to do with it. You know, not shaky, like nervous, but just, you know, like he wasn't you know, expecting to start. Wasn't, you know, there was just a couple weird plays by him that were not Rubio like that, you know, in that first quarter. So nobody really seemed, I, Towns seemed fine to be honest yep. to me in the first quarter. He was the only guy on that starting group that seemed to be like ready to go, which good to see. I mean, with all the the stuff he's gone through in the off season, coming back from the injury. I mean, he, his layoff's been a lot longer than even the other guys. So um, I was, you know, I know I was texting. I know he didn't, you know, light it up like a, a typical Carl Anthony Towns big scoring game. But he only had twelve shots or ten shots. Ten or shots tonight. Yeah, six for yeah. ten. Twenty points, ten rebounds, seven assists, or eleven rebounds, seven assists. Yeah. And I and I texted you early in the game that he reminded me of that guy when KG called him that you know you can't just go into a store and get a twelve pack of beast. That's the way Towns has played all preseason. That's the way he played tonight. It was a lot more initiating the contact, like was a lot more aggressive down low, which I like to see. I mean, because that three point shot, that's that's a great thing to have. I mean, you know, I've said before, I think he might go down as the best shooting big man of all time. But having those other parts to his game is what makes him so damn good Mm -hmm. and so i i was i couldn't have been more happy with the game he ended up with my only um problem with his game it wasn't him it was the rest of the team not getting him more shots like you'd like to see towns get you know at least twice that many shots every game because of how good he is on that side of the ball yeah and with towns's talent disparity between him and as good as everybody else is the the disparity between him and everybody else just made it a little bit of a head-scratcher as to why he wasn't getting the ball more often in that first quarter when Detroit did balloon up to a 14-point lead, and I thought that Saunders was being thoroughly outcoached for a while there, but he really turned it around throughout that game, mixing and matching his lineups, pulling guys, playing more wings than normal, and especially you know mixing in a zone depending on who Detroit had on the floor so that he could mix in some different defensive uh, lineups, and that really played... Uh, into the decision at the end when he had Rubio pressuring uh, kind of in that zone and they got two quick steals out of it for fast break layups. So Saunders yeah, uh, I mean, did a, had a good showing tonight. He did, and the defense definitely wasn't good by any stretch. But like you said, adding those wrinkles that we didn't have last year, those zones, and you mm-hmm. know they had a couple little things there where they were able to get some stops at crucial moments because either, whether it threw Detroit off or it just the wrong guy on their side got the shot, um, whatever it was because that the zone created for them, it, it, it really helped on that, that closing moments of that game to, you know, take the lead for the mm-hmm. first time all game and then just step on the gas and put it away, which is another thing you don't ever see from this team. No. Uh, I mean, recent years is them, you know, usually it's a little bit more dramatic at the end. Once you, you know, you're trading leads rather than them just going and putting it away. I mean, so that was another reassuring thing. And, you know, the guy, that has that attitude that feels like Beasley really stepped up, you know, in that final stretch. I mean, he had a couple key steals himself and then several buckets as well um, that, you know, he, he struggled early. I think he started 0 for 5 or 0 something. 0 for 5 from, from Malik and then 10 for 13 the rest of the way. 
it's just crazy. Yeah. You know, like, so you like having that. I mean, and then the confidence that guy has, and like, he just has that swagger that, you know, like D'Lo and, and Towns are very confident guys, but um, Beasley has that swagger that, you know, those guys don't necessarily carry that rubs off on other guys necessarily. Um, so that, I think that helped energize those other guys. Yeah. You know, Beasley stepping it up there after that first quarter after, I mean, he came in and he needed to settle down a little bit. He was probably the the primary instigator of just the franticness that they were playing with. Um, but once he settled down, the team kind of settled down. You also have to give a lot of credit to Anthony Edwards. The number one overall pick, the kid coming in as a 19-year-old and not looking shy at all, scoring 15 points, four rebounds, four assists, and really taking the reins in that second quarter and really settling this team down and getting them back into it. So he had an amazing showing for his first real NBA game. And my favorite part of his game tonight was sort of that, you know, we joke about him being like a, a the wing version of Zion because of his size, but mm-hmm. those putbacks, like he gets his own rebound and puts it back up. That, that's something Zion did really well, even as a rookie, you know, that Edwards did. I mean, they're not, I know their games are nothing alike. I'm not really comparing them in the sense that I think he really is like Zion, but he's just, because he has such a physical mismatch with the guys at his position is where really where, what I'm making the comparison for. And that show there, like, I mean, he was down low and, for a rookie, I mean, for a 19 year old, it's not just a rookie, he's a 19 year old. He, you know, was the more physical player. I mean, he was, he, you know, those, those easy, I shouldn't say easy shots, but the shots right at the rim that he missed that he was able to get his own rebound, put it back in. That just shows a lot of maturity for a 19 year old. Right. In his first game that counts. Being a prolific three point shooter will be what gets Anthony Edwards to be a superstar someday. But at this point in his career, I wouldn't ma- I wouldn't mind if he didn't shoot a three the rest of the year because nobody can stop him from getting to the basket with how strong he is and the, the skill that he has when he's moving in that direction. Even the his ability to manage a pick and roll and change speeds with Nas and get Nas in a, a layup for that where he got fouled on was just super impressive. And his ability to work in the mid range, get to the basket, get his own rebound, like you said, he's just a freight train. We've we've mentioned that before, um, just with his size at his position and there's not a lot that he can't do at this point. And the only way that he's going to be inefficient this year is if he kind of shoots himself out of games, you know, you know, one for seven from three, but sure. he has so many other skills. The only downside to that, I, cause I agree hundred percent. The only downside is I feel like Saunders will bench him if he isn't taking those threes because <laughs> sure. I mean, if he gets saw, open threes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What we saw at the power forward spot tonight, Lehman and, and Honcho just could not buy a basket and you know, he kind of stuck with them in the minutes that Okogi wasn't playing at the mm-hmm. four and you know they it it hurt us a little bit. I what if I was to criticize the the coaching game plan, I would say I would like to see them have a plan B where if those two guys aren't hitting their shots, then throw out Ed Davis, get him some more minutes at the four because you know Nas was playing all the backup five minutes and and rightfully so. I think he played really well tonight as well. Um, but then or Vanderbilt, get Vanderbilt some minutes, even Jaden McDaniels, just. What's it going to hurt? You're not getting anything out of Layman and Honcho if they're not scoring. You know they're they're not going to give you anything else. So, um, you know I don't know why you wouldn't go for with a plan. But even if you are throwing out a more defensive minded guy who's not going to shoot a lot of threes, just you know let let's throw in all a wrinkle that the opposing team will have to deal with then. Yeah, Layman is supposed to be a little bit more Swiss Army knife than Honcho is, but Layman played 17 minutes tonight, had zero points, one rebound, one assist. Not in no assist. Zero points, one rebound in 17 minutes, 0 for 3 shooting. And Wancho came out and he played 12 minutes tonight, 0 for 5. You know, three rebounds, one steal. But they both had really bad nights. And the way that Saunders really answered that question, I mean, they, they got 29 minutes combined. So that's a lot of minutes at the power forward. But there were still 19 minutes there. And 
Saunders just kind of went with the, a four, you know, a three wing rotation, either two point guards, two wings, or one point guard, three wings. And it really led to a lot of minutes for Kogi and Culver and Edwards and uh, Beasley, which you want to see them all getting minutes with the way that they're playing right now. I don't know if that's sustainable all year because even with Blake Griffin being the power forward on the other team, this was still a bad Detroit team, and there are going to be teams that just don't let you play that way. So Yeah, I, and if anything, Detroit probably didn't take enough advantage of that mismatch because Blake, you know, when he's on a Kogi, okay, he's our best defender, but Blake was just lowering his shoulder and just beating him up, you know, and there, Okogie hung in there and didn't complain and didn't get any cheap falls or anything. So um, you can't complain about the job Okogie did. It's just he's so much smaller. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, that's why it's like, well, give, you know, throw in a Vanderbilt, somebody who can match Blake's size, you know, and just see, just to, you know, slow that kind of stuff down, maybe pick up an extra couple of rebounds when everybody's taking these long shots anyway. You know, I, I would just like to see those guys get more of an opportunity. All we heard about was how excited they were about Vanderbilt, uh, you know, and why they wanted to get him more integrated into the, the team this year. Um, so let's see it. Like, let's, you know, that's a perfect opportunity to throw him out there. I know it's a, just the first game, but you're you're losing nothing by mm-hmm. pulling Honcho and Lehman when they're not scoring. Because, yeah, I, I like Lehman's overall game, but I, not as like a 35-minute-per-game guy. So if he's not hitting and he's not doing anything else, just pull him quicker. You know, you can always throw him back out there if Vanderbilt or somebody – is just as rough but you can't have a rougher night than those two had tonight so no i mean and the real question is just going to come later and they're going to have to play around and see how it goes if if wancho or layman start playing better and they deserve more minutes or they do just need to get more size on the floor on the floor like you're saying which one of these wings or guards is going to start losing minutes and after tonight you can't really make a determination on that because one of the guys that we haven't even mentioned yet was Jarrett culver who played the least number of minutes in that rotation at 21 minutes but he still had a 10.10 rebound double double you know three for six from the floor four for five from the line and once again played really great point of attack defense and he has proven that he deserves minutes on this team and as we both have said in multiple episodes already we expected him to be the odd man out and not and clear and clean up this rotation a little bit but with the way that he's been playing you can't do that if you just mm-hmm. went by the stat line it'd be ricky but at the end, he obviously showed what it means to have veteran pre- veteran presence on the floor, you know, and right. he helped get us that win. So, after one game, the the rotation isn't necessarily cleaner if if it works out at power forward, unless they just choose to go with multiple wings and towns. So we'll see how that plays out throughout the year. Yeah, I mean, and, and yeah, you hit on it. Culver was the other bright spot again. I mean, it's four games in a row, still relatively small sample size, but he is definitely improved over last year that that part much we know whether or not he deserves to be a starter or or even playing 30 minutes a night i think that remains to be seen yet but he's definitely improved since last season which is a i i can't say how excited i am about that because you know we here we were with you know wiggins for all these years just hoping that he would improve the next season never did Mm -hmm. he never got better from one season to the next and um now we have a guy like culver who who was I was really down on after last season. I you know, was thinking we need to get ship him off before his value gets any lower, um, and maybe he'll have a you know better run with another team where you know he just fits better. But here we are. No, I'm glad we didn't. You know, and then the other guy who didn't even get to play tonight because he was out was Noel. W- would he have even gotten a few minutes tonight just because he played you know pretty well in the preseason? Um, you know, he's not going to get. 15 minutes but mm-hmm. if you got four minutes five minutes you know what if he take a couple more minutes from one of those those fours i don't know and then mclaughlin uh, who we lead, leaned on a lot last year as well 
Right. And I wouldn't have expected him to get meaningful minutes anyway, just because he hasn't played any preseason. Mm-hmm. But yeah, maybe he got a couple minutes in there just to kind of help him get his legs under him. Um, although I'm sure he's in in shape, but still game shape and regular shape are two different things. So yeah, you have lots of guys at that guard spot that can play. Yeah. Um, but Ed Davis can play. We've seen him be able to play on other teams. That's why that's kind of where I get come back to like, I just don't get why you don't find minutes for him, why you don't find a spot for Rondé Hollis Jefferson on a team that's starved for defense. I get the contract stuff, but I mean, there's other moves you can make, whether that's Noel, you know, what, mm-hmm. whoever. Um, so yeah, I, that's the, the head scratcher to me. It just, you know, I go back to that. If it, if guys aren't willing to just chuck up threes, even if they're bad threes, you you don't have a spot on this team. That that's the way it appears to me. And I get the spacing thing, but this it's just the spacing only works if guys can hit their shots. And so it's just sort of a double edged sword, right? You can easily lose yourself in, in a game when you're just launching up a bad a bunch of bad shots. So yeah, I don't know how many questions were answered tonight, but once again, it's much better to be leaving saying at least we got a win than. I can't believe we lost to Detroit. So it was a it was a fun game to watch. The Wolves showed some things. They they struggled at times. You know, showed some of the the strengths that we expected and the weaknesses that we, that we worried about. Well, the Wolves uh, got another game coming up on Saturday against the Utah Jazz. Um, this will come out on Friday. So thanks for sticking with us. After the break, we'll do a little uh, have a little bit of fun with some overs unders, some Vegas prop bets, and really give our, our thoughts as to where the Wolves land in, amongst the rest of the league. So. Uh, Merry Christmas, everybody. We appreciate you sticking with us so far. We know we're only five episodes in, but this has been a lot of fun for us, and we're going to hope to keep it going in 2021. Merry Christmas, Chad. You you as well, man. All right, we'll talk soon. Take care. Bye. All right, so we got the season coming up. Vegas has the Wolves at 29 and a half wins as the over/under, which computes out to about 32, 33 wins in a 40 in a 82 game season. Probably not the level that anybody is in that's a Wolves fan is hoping for, and definitely not competing for a uh, a playoff spot. But oddly enough, it would be the fourth highest increase by a team in the NBA by winning percentage if you could just predict that every team is going to end up where they were where Vegas has them at and that would be behind the Nets the Hawks and the Warriors so Hmm. Vegas is predicting that the Wolves will have a much better winning percentage this year than they had last year but still miss the playoffs by by a significant amount so and obviously the Nets and the Warriors yep they're they're getting all pro all NBA talents back obviously and the Hawks made the biggest splash Mm -hmm. the offseason increase yeah. yeah so um that's reassuring, I guess. Well, and I mean, it's, some, for the Wolves, I mean, it's all health, too, because I doubt that's coming from the addition of Edwards, and it's probably not coming from Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. So it's just the thought from Vegas that having Towns and uh, D'Lo healthy will equate to a better team than we had last year, but still not a great team. So thoughts on 29.5? Yeah, I. so had we done this before the three preseason games— mm-hmm. I would have been a I would have been a solid over twenty nine and a half. Yeah, seeing what we've seen so far in the preseason, where there's sort of a lack of any sort of offense. It's really it's a I hate to say it, the offense has regressed since last year in terms of a system. I'm going to say it's an under, and I would wonder what Vegas would do if say we had a. It doesn't have to be a Doc Rivers type coach, and I love Ryan Saunders as a person. I you know I'm mm-hmm. a big Saunders fan. 
but he's not even a middle of the pack coach yet. Yeah. You know, he's very inexperienced. He's kind of learning as we go. So we have, you combine that with players who are learning as they go. Um, it, it makes for a little bit of a rough record. So I would suspect if they just had a, I don't want to say Thibodeau, but a Thibodeau level coach. At least for the respect around the league. Well, just experience, even if it's not okay, even sure. Yep. Just a guy with that kind of experience as a head coach has coached other teams come in here, you know, cause Ryan Saunders hasn't been a head coach anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, if so if we, we were have... new Orleans and we had brought in Stan Van Gundy instead of having Ryan Saunders, I suspect our win total in Vegas probably would have been closer to 35 games. Sure. I think I, that feels like a five or six game lift over Ryan Saunders to me. Yeah. I mean, at least in terms of the perception and, most likely in terms of the outcome, which if this team, oh, I mean, after those first two games, after the first two preseason games where they struggled so mightily to show any type of a system and they couldn't hit a shot, they couldn't defend anybody. It was just, all I could think about was just, I know it's preseason. I don't want to overreact and we won't react about any, to anything legitimately oh, until, <laughs> until um the real games begin. But if this continues, if this year it just bottoms out, what does that what does that mean for so many different people? I mean, the valuations on Saunders, on Vanderpool, even on Towns and Delo, just in terms of their their reputations and their value around the league, it just completely changes. And um, you know, like I said, don't want to overreact to two preseason games because they've looked much better tonight. Right. They've they've hit different shots and. Um, they're going to look better and worse from night to night, especially with getting used to each other. But and if they... Dallas is a better team than Memphis too, you know, who we played in the first two games. And I mean, but Memphis has always had our number. Yeah. Historically, just yep. their style of play. It's always been a problem for us. They've transitioned but... at the same time that we've transitioned and they just happen to match up with us somehow as they go from grit and grind to one of the fastest paces in the league, we transitioned right into being susceptible to that as well. So I get it. I mean, like I said, I don't want to overreact, but if we end up hitting the under and not just by a little bit, but significantly, that is going to not be a good look for a lot of people, which would be a little worrisome. It's not. And I wonder what this COVID sort of impact will have Mm -hmm. on those decisions as well, because you're right. It's going to impact people's reputation. I I don't know that Towns' reputation takes any more of a hit. I, it's amazing to me how far his reputation's fallen nationally when you figure just a couple years ago, he was the number one pick by GMs in the league. If you're over a started Giannis. franchise, yeah. Yeah, over Giannis, who's young, over, you know, Curry and yeah. Harden and yeah. all these Durant, all these guys um, who, you know, a couple of them are older, but like, you know, Giannis isn't that much older. So uh, it's Giannis, went, Chad. It's Giannis. He went from that yeah. sort of level. To now, all you hear about is he's soft, he doesn't play defense, he's never going to be a winner. I mean, it's I don't think that falls any further. D'Lo, same thing. I don't think his reputation, I think we got him low anyway because he's already, you know, this is his third team. Um, he was always sort of looked at as like a talented guy who, you know, is really not. He's, he's the type of guy that the teams like the Lakers feel like, oh yeah, we can just trade him for whatever superstar we want because... Teams, they, those those teams that nobody wants to play for have to take that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of what I felt like D'Lo, D'Lo's perception was. Um, yeah. And I still, so those two, I don't know that their reputation takes a big hit. I think. Well, it can't take a, a big hit nationally because, like you said, everything that you said is true. But 
at least in Minnesota, I feel like there's still hope. There's still the perception that this team is going somewhere and building something. And if we have an, a 23-win season and Kat and Delo don't improve, they don't show anything, then I think just the the interest, the stomach for sitting through another rebuild starting post-Kat and Delo is just going to be so overwhelming at times that there's going to just be a lot of very disappointed these Timberwolves fans. But let's look at this scenario. What if, so say they're a 23-win team. Yeah. Kat sitting at 28-11 and 11 for, this, for the season. Delo sitting at twenty four and seven and a half assists. Do they even do fans look at them, or do fans look at at Saunders or Rosas? I mean, Rosas, you know, if those guys are doing what they're doing, he got a second star. He, you know, I think fans will be a little bit more patient with Rosas. I think Ryan Saunders is the one that's going to be that on the most of the hot seat because I even think with Rosas, he sort of was encouraged to keep Ryan on. Mm-hmm. So I think. I mean, Ryan would obviously the, be the first one to go because they have their money tied into the players. The players aren't aren't the first ones out, and Rosas has the decision-making ability that Ryan doesn't. So if this team underperforms, it's Ryan first, which, fair or but not, from a, is the way it would work out, yeah. But from a fan standpoint, you know, to your question, do you think the fans would sour on... If, if those numbers held up, would they sour on Talon if he's still on a losing team, but he, he's doing his part, he's getting 28 and 11... Um, I know the defense is still a problem, mm-hmm. but like, look, maybe he's just not going to ever be a defensive player. Yeah. So, so I mean, that's the it's thing. On... It's it's e all of the above, where they may rightly say that Saunders doesn't know how to coach a system and he doesn't know how to build a winning basketball team around these two players. But it also ve- may very well be that you can't build a winning basketball team around two non-defense a non-defensive center and a non-defensive point guard. So. Um, the, like we're getting way ahead of ourselves because this is assuming that they they underachieve this year and that's based off of two poor preseason games and yeah. we're and idiots for even, assuming that yeah 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 I'm not even assuming that I'm just yeah, yeah to your I think they'll fall under the twenty nine and a half that they're projected mm-hmm. I don't think it's gonna be a, a big drop off of that mm-hmm. I would you know a game or two um, based on what I've seen you know but I could also see them going to thirty four wins too you know yeah. like and I wouldn't be shocked by that so it's it's I like like we talk talk about all the time with these Vegas numbers, like they're in the business of making money. They know what they're doing. Yeah. It's a pretty fair number, I think. Yeah. Um, all right. So I got a couple I, other teams throughout the league that are around the wolves and let's see where we think the wolves are going to fall in comparison because some of these are actually very apt comparisons in teams that are, you know, either offensive focused or the depth doesn't quite make sense or built around an imperfect superstar. So uh, let's see if, where we think the Wolves are, not just in terms of them individually in a in a silo, but um, in comparison to some real-life real, real life examples. So uh, the closest ex- example is the San Antonio Spurs, also at 29.5, where you think the Wolves are going to come, ahead or behind the Spurs? I think ahead of the Spurs. I think they're going to regress even a little more. Um, they also have – they're in a similar situation, but they're going the opposite direction, I feel like. They have uh, Aldridge, who's – looking older and older every time I see him play. Mm-hmm. DeRozan, who I still like as a player more than you do, I know. But he's, you know, like, how much is DeRozan going to carry a team with Aldridge as, a, as the second guy? Um, I, they have some young guys I really like, but they're not they're not going to carry the load. They're not that type of player. Um, so I think they're going to they're gonna finish below us. I would figure them more to be in the 24 to 25 win season. Mm-hmm. Um hard to imagine with a Popovich team, but I just, you know, and I know you're, you're not 
supposed to figure injuries in this. I just can't imagine LaMarcus Aldridge on this sort of compacted schedule being yeah. able to play games. And if he's not playing or if um, DeRozan misses time, then they have no chance. Yeah, I mean, Aldridge is really the wild card because if he plays, he's enough of a veteran that Pop's going to know how to get the most out of him. DeRozan actually has improved somehow the last few years his his ability to get to the rim and his ability to be a playmaker has been uh fairly elite he still he doesn't shoot he doesn't take three pointers but he's found ways to work around that so if they stay healthy it's hard to like you said it's hard to imagine a greg popovich coach team not being at least a fringe playoff team and if we believe that the timberwolves are going to be under 29 and a half the timberwolves aren't a fringe playoff team so um but I, to me this this Spurs team feels more like the Spurs team with David Robinson the year before they got Tim Duncan. Yeah. You know, where they have a, a Sean Elliott is the DeRozan, Aldridge is the Robinson. They're getting older. They need to, uh, I could see Popovich, if he's going to stick around much longer, saying, yeah, I'm not I'm not going to really squeeze everything I can out of this team because we're not going anywhere even if we make that final spot mm-hmm. in the playoffs. So I'm just going to develop the younger guys, um, you know, kind of, save my older vets and yeah. and kind of rotate them in, you know, take, let them take nights off and, you know, we'll let the record go where it goes. And I think they'll be okay. I mean, he, there's no pressure on Pop- Popovich doesn't have to prove anything to anyone. So he's never going to be at risk of a job. Um, you know, and I think even at San Antonio, there would be some support from the fans. Be like, okay, like, we, we know this team needs like a star yeah. that's under the age of 80. You know? <laughs> so they, uh, I, I don't, I think, that would almost be a welcomed approach there too, which yeah. takes the pressure. Like you said, they got some good young talent. They got white, they have Murray, Lonnie Walker, and they added a vassal and um, Trey Jones this year. So they got some, some good young guys, especially in their backcourt, but their front court's going to, they're just not deep enough in their front court to really make a big nope. run. It's just how much do you Maybe. trust pop to squeeze every last piece of talent out of that roster? And if you think that he's going to play the young guys and give them a chance to kind of mature on the job, then shouldn't be competing for a playoff spot this year yeah. all right next up uh let's say in the western conference the kings are projected to come in behind minnesota at 27 and a half you know i watched a little bit of the kings game i had nba tv on all day today so they were just replaying games from the last couple days i watched the kings they actually look improved um i don't think they're going to be better than the wolves but they'll I, I'll say they're going to be better than 27 games, though. They'll they'll be they might be tied with the Wolves. Mm-hmm. Based on my prediction, right around 28. I wins. think if we're basing anything off of a, a trust of an organization or a coaching staff, there aren't many teams that I would trust less than the Timberwolves from actually having proven the ability to win more than they're expected to. But the Kings would be one of the teams that I'd trust even less. So I don't think Luke Walton's a good coach, and they might have they might have some good talent there. Fox is still an amazing point guard and able to generate a lot of offense even on his own. But uh, I just don't see that team, even with how deep they are and the veterans that they've brought in, really stepping up above what they're projected to do. So I'd still take the Timberwolves over the Kings. Yeah, I'll take the Timberwolves over the Kings. Yeah. I just I think the Kings are going to be about where, would you say they were at 28? 27 and a half, yeah. 27 and a half. So I, I, I could see them going to 28. So I don't think it's a big jump from obviously what Vegas is saying. I just, I think Fox is good enough in... Uh, kind of a weird season like this to steal games, particularly early, because he is so good and he looks mm-hmm. really sharp right now. So, yeah. 
All right, and a team we are very familiar with, and we've already talked about, the Grizzlies are the team right ahead of the Wolves at 31.5. Think there's any chance the Wolves end the season with a better record than the Grizzlies? I don't think better record than the Grizzlies, because I don't think we... I don't think it's likely we, we hit above 31, but I do think, I don't think the Grizzlies will go much past that either. So we're pretty comparable. I do think we're comparable because um, we, but we're more, I think we have more th- offensive threats, but I would say they'll finish above the Wolves, but right around that 32 wins. So okay. I think Vegas has got that one right too. Yeah. I, at this point I would put the Grizzlies firmly ahead of the wolves maybe not by maybe not firmly in terms of a large number of wins but just confidence level uh in the team that they put together especially once triple j comes back and brandon clark's there too they've just got some really solid players that they can put at kind of any position valanchunas is a mountain of a man so um, they've got a lot of talent on that team and if they come together at all even more than what they had last year if Cha takes a step they're going to be a, a pretty good team and the, I mean the Wolves can be too the Wolves have, the, have a chance to really make a run for a playoff position I'm not saying they don't but yeah I think we're really clouded by the these preseason games that we saw um I think had we done this before the preseason we we would just be looking at talent on paper mm-hmm. I I do think the Wolves have more talent on paper which brings me back to the Ryan Saunders question and you yeah. know and it like you said fair or unfair I mean he he hasn't had any time to, you know, he's got so many new players. He barely had any time last year when, after the trade. And then he had no off season this year to really get his system in there. Um, but it is what it is. I mean, mm-hmm. everybody's dealing with it. So I just, you know, I, I coach with more experience probably would have got a little bit more out of the guys because they, they have more experience in dealing with these tough situations. Um, but Memphis, I think they're well coached. Uh, even though they also have a young coach. Yep. That's the other thing that kind of rubs me the wrong way is that you watch them and they just seem to make better coaching decisions in those games. And um, I think he's the second youngest coach in the league. Yeah. So, you know, it's, they're very, they are very similar to us. And it's a team that we should be watching because I think we have more star power. I think we have better players. Um, they have more defense um, and they have John Morant, who's, you know, maybe more dynamic than anybody we have on our team. Mm-hmm. But I still think Towns is the best player on either roster by a pretty healthy margin. So, All right, so we're going to move to the Eastern Conference now. And there are actually two teams I wanted to talk about as potential comparisons for the Wolves. And I don't want to talk about which team between the Wolves and these guys are, are going to win more games because the Eastern Conference sways that and skews that a little bit. Um, but just in terms of these are teams that Vegas has projected to finish slightly ahead of the Wolves by four or five games each. Um, but who do you think is better between the Wolves or the Washington Wizards? I think the Wolves are better still than the Wizards. Um, I'm not a big fan of adding Westbrook to a team sure. and that team being better. I think Westbrook's a fun player to watch and he's a talented player. I just don't think he's a good team player. Um, but we'll see. He might be a better fit with Beal than he was with Harden, another guy that wanted to dominate the ball. Um, so, we'll, you know, it's possible. I, but I still think we have, they don't have much else on that roster. They have, you know, a couple of big men, uh, Huchimara is mm-hmm. a, a solid player, but, uh, you know, those guys are all, you know, Hancho, Hernan Gomez style uh, level players to me, or Beasley play, level players. You know, we got D'Lo, Ricky and Towns who would all be, you know, starters on that team as well. So, um, I think the Wolves are a better team. But to your point, Washington very well could finish with a better record because they have an easier schedule. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's a team that was put together with 
Beal, who I think throughout the league is viewed at a similar level as Towns in terms of franchise player, um, and then bringing in Russell Westbrook, who, no matter your thoughts on him, you and I have talked about this extensively in terms of the value that he brings to a, to a team, but he was All-NBA third team last year, and any time that he has ever gotten the chance to play with a really good shooting team, he has shown tremendous value in terms of being the primary option. So there could be issues if he believes he's the primary option on that team with Beal out there too, because Beal has proven that that's his team now. But um, with with Bertans and uh, Troy Brown Jr., who was a, a good-looking young player last year, um, I think they have pieces around those two guards. And it's tough, as we've seen kind of against Dallas and, and Memphis these last two games, it's tough when somebody has a really dynamic lead ball handler to stop that. But at the same time, I would also predict that the Wolves are just an overall better team in terms of their depth and their overall roster composition than where Washington is. So that's a, it's a tough one, but and I can see where the, the similarities lie. They're both very offensive teams without a ton of defensive talent and a lot of shooting, but it's going to come down to kind of the, the system. And if you trust Ryan Saunders or Scotty Brooks to put toge- together the right system for the players on the floor, and I just don't know how com- I feel. Yeah, I think they're even comparable coaches. I think I think for me what it comes down to is I, you, you look at those guys in that 6 through four, 15 now with the active rosters, I think we have a better depth. Yeah. And I think when a guy goes down, they'll say they lose Beal for 10 games or they lose Westbrook or we lose D'Lo. If we lose D'Lo for two, 10 games, our record probably doesn't change because you've mm-hmm. got Ricky can step in. Um, you know, for them, losing one of those two guys is a problem for them. Yeah, so. they'd be in real trouble. real trouble there. All right, last one. Like we said earlier, the big uh, winner of – 2020 uh, NBA offseason, Atlanta Hawks. They are projected to come in at 34 and a half wins, five wins ahead of the Wolves. Um, another team that seems to be very offensive focused and oddly deep in different positions. A team that is going to be right there in kind of the play-in round for the Eastern Conference, somewhere between seven and ten. Who knows where they're actually fall, but. Um, just, uh, you know, it seems to be as I, the more I've heard about them, the more I've listened to other, you know, national media members talk about their offseason moves and where they're going to land. They seem, they sound like a team that is very similar in their style of play or the, where they stand and throughout the league to the Timberwolves, just in the Eastern Conference, it gets you a little bit further. So what are your thoughts on the Wolves versus the Hawks? I do think the Hawks are going to be a better team than the Wolves and uh, certainly a better record because they play in the East, but mm-hmm. They just got so many damn shooters, um, and they got you know they got Capella and Okongwu, who I like coming out of the draft, and Collins, some guys that can protect the the paint, so that all those shooters can just do what they do. I mean, even DeAndre Hunter, I like as a um, defender. I, you, so they just got a, a bunch of shooters and a handful of pretty solid defenders that the Wolves just don't have. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, I to me, it, that's I'm a hard, hard on the Hawks being better. Yeah, so I mean, it's I kind of agree with you. I think they, we talked we talked a lot in earlier episodes about the need to have veterans to actually really be a competitor to actually put a team on the floor that can compete night in and night out. And the Hawks brought in a few of those guys this year, and I, I sounds like they've been given a mandate from ownership to really compete this year and make a run at it, which they give a bunch of bunch of money to. Um, Gallinari, oh, yeah. Bogdanovich. Yep, Gallinari. And then they, they got the restricted free agent deal with uh, Bogdanovich. So um, Gallinari kind of seems like one of those guys that can step in and kind of 
bring a little bit of a leadership to the team. I've never been a huge Gallo fan. I was just going to bring up because yeah. I, I always liked him and you always didn't. I, I remember one time I was having a conversation about him about something years ago and you kind of poo pooed it, laughed it off because you didn't like him. But he, he's been one of those sneaky guys, right? Like he, yeah, he always has been. I just don't think like his defense has never matched up to his reputation in, in, in my opinion. So the fact that he like shows up once every three games with a big shooting game and he makes another team's fan base feel like crap because they somehow lost a Gallo instead of the star on the team, like has earned him a reputation. But I just don't think as a defender, See, he's, he's really that, that good. So that's exactly how I feel about Russell Westbrook. Like, yeah, he might have a triple double, but then the guy that he's defending at point guard, who is a 18 point per game guy, had 32 points against him. You know, he's just, he's a wash at best, even, even with, as with a triple double, because he does, he either doesn't get the other guys on the team. So, I mean, I get where you're coming from with Gallo mm-hmm. because he's, but I don't, I don't see Gallo as his defender either. I just see him as like this just awesome shooter who doesn't disrupt the offense to get his points. Like, which I like. I like a guy who can shoot. It's not going to take if he's, you know, two for eight. Well, that he might finish the game three for ten. He's just not going to take fifteen more shots to get going like a Westbrook type guy or or you know a star like more of what your prototypical star would yeah. do just to get going to get their numbers. Gallo doesn't have that sort of uh, attitude or, or reputation where he feels the need to do that. So um, he doesn't bother me. And we're not talking about Gallo being the star of this team. It's pretty no. young. Yeah. But as an, another guy, um, you know, a lot like a Bogdanovich to me where, you know, they can one night they can go for like you said, they can go for 30. The next night they might go for 12, but they're not hurting you in either game because if they only go for 12, they're not like taking 20 shots to get 12 points like some guys that are have a higher cachet than them. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, Atlanta is probably I, I probably put them seven or eight in the East this year. I, mean, I don't think they're nine or ten. I put them ahead of Orlando and. Chicago and all the other teams that are going to compete for the the lower half of that play-in tournament in the East. But um, so where are the Wolves? The Wolves are twenty and a half. What spot is that? So there are only three teams behind the Wolves. It's Oklahoma City at twenty and a half. Everybody's assuming that they're kind of tanking this year. I which I still would not put money on because they still have Shea. They still have Al Horford who no matter what he looked like in Philly, has a long career of success and one bad year with a, a weird mix. And that's not going to completely eliminate all the good things that he can do for me. So I could very well see a scenario where Oklahoma City once again comes out and surprises. But I know they, they're switched coaches, so it might just be a completely different thing. So Oklahoma City at the bottom of the Western Conference at 20.5, the Kings at 27.5, and, and then the Wolves and Spurs tied at 29.5. And, so and then who's right ahead of us? The Grizzlies at 31.5. I was just curious what the next two or three teams because it feels like feels like there's other teams that I would put behind us, but I'm I'm blanking on who. Phoenix, who I, I mean, not of. in the Western Conference at this point. I mean, well, Phoenix, Phoenix is gonna be good, yeah, because um, Houston is could be. Well, a, I mean, a Houston's mess. A big, the big wild card. We don't know what they're gonna look like. We don't even know who's gonna be on the roster in, in a week. So, right, they could turn into the think... Wolves from two three years ago when we traded Jimmy, and all of a sudden we couldn't put together a win to save our souls. So, yep. I do think Portland got a lot better. New Orleans, I wonder what their win total is projected because I don't see them being a lot better than the Wolves either, to be honest with you. You know, I know um, with Zion was healthy last year, they were a much improved team, but they were still an under 500 team with Zion. And I, I'm a big Zion fan. I like a lot of pieces on that team, but they're to me, they're very similar to the Wolves that they're so young 
and inexperienced. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think they have the more veteran presence in terms of their coach who might be able to get more out of them. Um, but he is, it's new to him there. So, I mean, if, if they win this year, if they're successful, it's going to be because Zion proves that system doesn't, he's so good that the system doesn't really matter because they've put together a team that has almost zero shooting out there and he's not a shooter. So every team's going to clog the lane. And if he can still shoot seven for eight in the first half and just demoralize a team because he's just that damn good, then that's how, that's their path to success this year. But if he steps, if he takes a step back, if he's not quite as that good, then they're going to struggle. See, and I, I don't see him as that type of player anyway. Like, I think he's an extremely exciting player to watch. But yeah, they added Steven Adams, mm-hmm. who I think is going to make them appreciably better on defense. Um, but he's and, not giving him any spacing. Eric Bledsoe is no. another point guard. He's also not a shooter. No, he's not. So um, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball both of which took steps forward last year as three-point shooters, but they're going to have to do it for a second year to prove that it was real and consistent. But they, to me, remind me stylistically, so they remind me of the Wolves in terms of where they're at, in terms of their, mm-hmm. their youth movement and stuff like that. But they remind me stylistically of, of sort of the Memphis teams we've seen who are just going to be rough yeah. to play. They're, they're, they're a tough out every single night, but that doesn't mean they win all those games, right? Like, yep. a tough out means, might still beat them you just might get beat up beating them um and so i i don't know that i would put them more than a game or two above, yeah higher yeah or two above the wolves so within striking distance where i think the wolves could easily be two or three games above them as well so i'm just trying to kind of look at where optimistically where well, the wolves could end up well right? the, the wolves have to hope that they've finished ahead of five teams in order to make the play-in tournament so even if we give them the Spurs, the Kings, and the Thunder, they then they still need the Pelicans and the Grizzlies. So, or Houston. or Houston. Or if Houston falls off, then you don't need one of those two to make the play-in tournament. Give yourself a chance to win two games and make the playoffs. So the possibilities there, I think everybody knows what the potential of this team looks like with the talent that is there. It's just a matter of how quickly does it come together. Do they, do they mesh? Does Do the young guys take a step forward throughout the season? Can they use the depth that they've put together to really weather any storm and be one of the teams that doesn't get decimated by injuries or COVID or whatever happens to be this year. And they come out, you know, smelling like roses on the other side. <laughs> Looking at the West, man, it is a murderous row. It's tough. Yeah. There's even the bad teams are probably playoff teams in the East. Even the worst be Sacramento might be the only team that doesn't make the playoffs in the East. Cause I think Oklahoma makes it in the East. I think New Orleans makes it in the East. I think, San Antonio, even with their older players, they make it in the East. Mm-hmm. At least those play-in games, they make they make those play-in games. Right. I mean, they're better than Chicago, New York, Cleveland. Probably better than Charlotte, especially if Hayward misses time. They're better than Orlando. <laughs> you know, they're probably better than the Wizards. You know, so yeah, it's tough in the West, man. All right, I got another prop bet that I ran across while I was looking. So I'm going to give you three different scenarios. I want you to tell me how strongly you feel about the possibility of each of them happening happening individually. First scenario, Anthony Edwards wins Rookie of the Year. Uh, I'm not bullish on him winning Rookie of the Year only because I don't think he'll get the minutes that some other mm-hmm. rookies will mm-hmm. get. Um, and I think LaMelo, for example, though, in his style with these flashy passes and that kind of thing, will have to do less to win it than Anthony Edwards would have to do to win it, if sure. that makes sense. Like LaMelo will be on the top 10 on SportsCenter probably almost every day. 
right? Like every time he plays, he's going to have one pass that just makes the top 10. Um, even if he does shoot 27%, yeah. nobody's going to be a scorer. So he will have to do less to win. It's like Zion last year. When people sit there and talk about had Zion played more games, would he have caught Jaw? No, Jaw Morant was appreciably better than Zion Williamson right. last year. And I like Zion a ton. He's my son's favorite player. We went and saw him play last year. Mm-hmm. It was by far the, the most fun Wolves game I was at last season. Um, but John Morant's a much better player last year, and I think he's going to be another much better player this year. Same thing for Edwards might be a better player than LaMelo. I can see LaMelo win it. I have no idea of Wiseman. I, I haven't seen a Golden State play in the three preseason games, so yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I either. Oh, he hasn't? Okay. So then, uh, but there's a handful of guys that could, could come out of nowhere to win that because it was kind of, you know, a fairly level mm-hmm. uh, draft. So I, I think it would be tough for Edwards, who's – not going to get a ton of run on the Wolves if he doesn't do extremely well right from the get-go because we have so many wings on this team. Sure. But you give it a chance? Say I give it a team? chance. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. If, you, if you're looking at percentage, I, I, I would say it's like, you know, 35-40% chance he, he gets it. Sure, sure. 35-40% chance there. What about uh, Luka winning MVP this year? Um, Przingis is going to miss time. We don't know how much time. Mm-hmm. You know, he could be back in January. January is only a couple weeks away, so he might not miss that many games. Or it could be that he's not back till March. We have no idea. Przingis injuries tend to take longer than they initially expect. So if Przingis isn't there and their record is, you know, they'll still be over 500 with just Luka, but maybe only a game or two until Przingis is back. And so they won't have the kind of record that Luka would need in order for him to get MVP. Mm -hmm. Uh, Where, you know, I think Giannis might have a better year this year because I think he's got a couple pieces that might fit him a little bit better in Milwaukee. And now he, you know, he's got the big contract that's off that that pressures off his shoulders in terms of should I leave, should I sure. stay. Um, so I think he's back. And then LeBron probably should have got it last year, um, and probably will this. You know, he could get it again this year because the Lakers will get all the. I think LeBron's going to miss a lot of games too because they're going to rest him. Yeah. Well, I don't think LeBron should have gotten it last year. I think it was. Clearly, Giannis is, is the best regular season player, but um, but if you're looking at the as the case for Luca, you're assuming that they're going to win some, win a good amount of games. That that the step that they took last year was real, and that with the pieces that they've added this year and Josh Richardson and uh, some of the other players that have come in, that they're going to take a step forward. So if they can win enough games, then historically it's been almost impossible for somebody to win three MVPs in a row. So the money, the betting line isn't on Giannis right now. And with LeBron and Anthony Davis pulling votes away from each other, I think Luka is the odds on favorite at the moment to win MVP in Vegas. Um, he might be, Yeah. I just think when that, when, once we start playing, yep. his, his uh, win total won't be where, it, you know, people who where it needs to be to win the, the title. Yeah. yeah. So it yep. depends on their, on their win total, but yep. And so right. that to me depends on Porzingis. So yeah. We'll All see. right, so then the third factor of this bet, odds of Brooklyn beating the Lakers for the championship. I think that's really slim because I don't think Brooklyn's going to be even in the finals. I don't, yeah. I don't know they'll even make the Eastern Conference finals. First off, you know I'm not a huge Durant fan, and I hate Kyrie Irving. <laughs> so I don't – I mean, they're going to be better. Obviously, they're both talented guys, but I think that's a mess. If you're listening, yeah. we have learned that Chad hates any point guard that dribbles more than seven times in a game, except for D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, I mean, and I do, I do. I don't like point guards who don't distribute the ball, other than to get assists, just to chalk it up to like I, w- I want to get triple double if you're sure. Russell Westbrook. 
I like I like point guards to make teams better, if that makes sense. So I do like like guy, Ricky Rubio, guys like that who are gonna you know distribute the ball, make everybody around him better. Kyrie Irving makes nobody around him better. I'm he not just, I'm not gonna argue with you, but <laughs> I think Kevin Durant is good enough that it might not matter. People say that, but Kevin Durant couldn't win without Steph Curry. Steph Curry was the best player on the Warriors team. He just was. Kevin Durant was, you know, Robin to Steph Curry's Batman. I mean, I, he might have looked like Batman on nights because he was taking the shots because Steph Curry was allowing, deferring to allow him to do that. But Kevin Durant wasn't going to win anything in Oklahoma City with j- just as talented of a team as Steph Curry had. Steph Curry had Clay Thompson and Draymond Green. Kevin Durant, if that's all he had, he's not winning a championship. So right? you're saying that he wasn't going to win in place of Steph Curry, not that right. the team he had in Oklahoma City was just as talented right. as the team he had in Golden State, right? Right. All right, I just, I just want to get that straight, because yep. for a second it sounded like you were saying he went to a team that was equally talented to his team in, in Oklahoma City, and I was like, no, no, no that's, no, that's not the case. Because yeah. they had Steph. But if he went there, if it was a trade, if, if Durant was mm-hmm. traded for Curry and he had Draymond Green and Klay Thompson as teammates, they're not winning the championship, in my opinion. You know, I, I mean, they almost didn't. With well, Golden State wasn't winning the championship without Durant either. Not against that well, they, Cleveland team in 2017. But they had already won one. Right? Yes, they and, won in 2015. Yeah, yeah, and they um, they all, even with Durant, they almost lost to Houston. You know, had Chris Paul been healthy, they they very easily could have lost Game Seven. So you know, I just I'm not a big believer this this hype around Durant being you know one of the 20 greatest players of all time. I just—he's a talented guy. He's a very good shooter. I think he's overrated on defense. I—I I just am not a huge buyer. So back to your Brooklyn point, I just—I mm-hmm. think Brooklyn having two guys who have these kind of fragile egos and Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant is going to blow up. I don't think those guys are going to be getting along at midway through this season. I think it's going to be, you know, Chris Paul and James Harden all over again. It, but probably worse on the court um, because both guys are going to want to be, you know, trying to prove something to the haters, people like me who can't who think they're <laughs> overrated. Um, I, you even, know, I even saw, with the rest of the depth that they have on that team with Levert and Dinwiddie and Joe Harris and Jared the, Allen I, I like all those guys fine the problem is Durant and Kyrie Irving are going to be like black holes on that team sucking up all the good oxygen for the, their own personal game they're just not team guys you know I just don't especially when you don't have a coach like Steve Kerr for Kevin Durant to like massage you know those feelings and make sure that he's coming in a good place i mean he's a very you know he's a I, the weird thing about him is when i watch him in interviews i like him but he also has like a very thin skin and uh, he, they're gonna if they have a bad loss he's gonna take the criticism him and Kyrie, Kyrie already is already like doing weird stuff not doing interviews mm-hmm. and calling the reporters pawns and the guy's just an egomaniac and he, i don't know where he gets it he sucked in cleveland without lebron he was nothing he didn't lead that team anywhere so to have him as being one of your two guys, like, what makes him different than Carl Anthony Towns as a leader? And Towns takes all this heat, whereas Kyrie's only because he was riding LeBron's coattails gets like this credit for being like this, you know, this superstar. I just don't see it. So I, I agree with you on Kyrie. I I don't think that he's worth the billing. He's a show off. He doesn't really impact winning the way that you would want him to, especially for the the reputation that he has. I completely disagree with you on Kevin Durant. Yeah, I know you're a big Durant fan. Yeah, the only thing that's going to slow down my opinion of Durant and his place in the league is if this Achilles his injury lingers. If he can't come back at 
more than 90% of what he was originally, then of course they don't have a chance. But So oh, let, let me clarify one thing about the Durant-Kyrie thing. I, I stand by everything I said about Durant. I don't think he wins a championship in the Warriors in place of Curry if he's in that spot. But I don't want to equate them as being on the same level. Because well, everything I said about Durant, while that's true about Durant, I still put Kyrie at a distant level below yeah. Kevin Durant in terms of you know what I would want on a franchise. So it's what I mean by that is with those two guys together, Kyrie being on Durant's team is going to hurt Durant's game, in my opinion, because there's going to be friction there. There's going to be, I mean, if you can't get along playing with LeBron, who is willing to defer, how are you going to get along with Kevin Durant? who wants? Mm-hmm. Well, to, you know. I don't think Kevin Durant's ever not been willing to defer either. He's never but taken he, his ego onto the floor. No, no, but he's he's got to score 37 a game. And LeBron was fine scoring 25. You sure. know, like LeBron didn't have to be the leading scorer. Yeah. Durant, it's important for Durant to be, you know, right up there as the leading scorer because he doesn't give you as much elsewhere as LeBron. And LeBron's his number one, you know, mm-hmm. um, rival. Yeah. Yeah. He has to, he wants to prove that he's on the same level as LeBron. And I guess that's where I come hard on Durant because you're not at LeBron's level. You're just, he'll never be anywhere close to a LeBron caliber player in my opinion um so it's it's the combination of of the egos and i guess for Kyrie, it's more ego durant i think has an ego but it's more his fragile feelings that like he can shut down or he can isolate himself from the rest of the team and things like that where i think there'll be problems there so i don't think dinwiddie and and jared allen those guys are really going to be factors for that they're going to be afterthoughts they're going to be treated like scrubs by those two guys i think um and just not get that opportunity. So, uh, will they make the playoffs? Yes. Will they get past the first round? Probably. Will they beat a Miami team? I don't think they beat Miami. And I, you know how I feel about Jimmy Butler. But Jimmy Butler's everything I don't like about Jimmy Butler is the opposite of things I don't like about Durant. Jimmy Butler is gonna really get under you know Durant's skin in a playoff series. Um, I think just by being him up and stuff. So, you know, I think Miami beats them. I think Milwaukee still beats them in a playoff series. So I don't see them going to. The finals, certainly. Maybe the East Conference Finals, depending on where they end up in their seeding, just because mm-hmm. they do have a lot of talent on that team. I just it's I just don't like the way that talent fits together. Yeah, and I mean I'd put that as the third most likely option of the three that we've talked about to, to actually come to fruition. But the the bet I found was if you were willing to put a a, a bet on Luca winning MVP, Edwards winning Rookie of the Year, and Brooklyn beating the Lakers in the finals, you'd get two hundred and fifty to one odds right now. So the possibility of dropping ten bucks on that happening and walk, possibly walking away with tw- with twenty five hundred would uh, would be a little bit tempting on my end because I, I think that Brooklyn at this time may not appear to be the favorite to win anything, but if they're healthy and they still have the potential of turning everything into a third superstar on that team, I think they very well could be a contender there at the end of the season. So uh, that was that was the most intriguing one that I found. The bet is they have to. Make the finals or win the finals? win the finals over the Lakers. The yeah, and it has to be the Lakers team. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a complicated bet. No wonder why it's two hundred fifty-one. Yeah. You have to have two teams. You basically have to be right on both teams that yes, make the finals. You do. In addition to rookie of the year and MVP. Yeah. So that that is that's a tricky bet. So but, I'm I, I don't gamble. So I'm not obviously not going to be. I I do. Down, so but, I start. That's yeah. why I was thinking. I'm like, oh, I wonder if there's another variation where I can get Brooklyn out of there and yeah. get Miami or or, uh, or or Milwaukee in there instead. But then, if you have to have both teams correct, that makes it really hard because mm-hmm. I mean, so many things can happen. But it's a ten dollars bet, so I would throw that. Yeah, drop even, that down in a second. For that right. one, I, I would even drop that bet, even though I don't like 
what Brooklyn's done. But yeah, I feel like all three things are just realistic enough that it would be worth sure. the uh, the odds that you can get on that one. Yeah. So let me ask you, who who would be your pick for rookie of the year? Who do you think if you had a bet? Uh I think it's a mess. I think I don't think it's going to be Ball because I don't think that his impact is going to be enough, and I don't think his numbers are going to even be that tremendous to the point that he wows voters because i think voters have gotten smarter over the past 10 years um that they know what's actually impacting winning it's 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 why ja got the the award last year it's they take a look at games played and total impact made throughout a season um a ball is the the leader in the clubhouse in terms of betting odds but um but also i agree with you that i don't know if if edwards is going to get be given that opportunity it's it's traditionally just come down to who plays the most minutes and who scores the most points and at this point, I honestly don't even know who to tell you that would be. There aren't a lot of rookies that are really stepping into a primary scorer role. The t- no, and that's that's why I thought Lamelo would. I, that's why I can uh, yeah. agree with them that he would be the one that just because of the uh, style that he plays, he's going to be. Mm-hmm. Everybody's going to know who he is by the end of the season, you know, because of the flashy passes. But I could see it being where Edwards leads all rookies in scoring, and the ball wins rookie of the year because of the flashy assists it's possible that's going to be a weird one because i mean the top four in terms of the the betting odds are ball obi toppin james wiseman and then edwards coming in fourth so and toppin's like good in you know he's not the complete player but for rookie of the year if he's yeah i mean if he's scoring 18 18 points a game yeah yeah i can see him getting it um so yeah I, i if the bet was edwards ball or the field i'd take the field because Mm -hmm. you know somebody could surprise yeah it's yeah that's a tough one um let's see that vegas has rubio actually as the sixth most likely player to lead the league in assists this year which seems crazy to me with the number of ball handlers and the fact that he's not even our primary point guard on the on the roster and at the moment he's not even starting if if delo's healthy but um but still a lot of respect for his ability to distribute the ball and the possibility i guess of delo being injured or rubio just being the primary point guard but when's the last time he's finished below the sixth spot? I mean, it's probably been his third year, second year. Yeah, he wasn't relied on as much in in Utah. I want to say he was only averaging about you know six six and a half assists a game there. So he wasn't but six and a half assists might get you top six in the NBA in this era. Yeah, like, it's possible. It's not like ten years ago where you had mm-hmm. you know five guys averaging over ten assists a game anymore. Well, um, well, let me ask you this: Who do you think is going to average more assists this year, Rubio or or D'Lo? Rubio. Okay. By a I significant think margin? Um, but yeah, for, I mean, like two assists a game more, which is a significant, because yeah. if you're yeah, average yeah. seven, you know. Um, but I think they're going to play a lot together anyway. Mm-hmm. And Rubio's not a guy that's going to be looking to score. And you have more scores on the team, even than he had in Phoenix, where he averaged, what, seven and a half? Yeah, he was, was up higher last year, yeah. Yeah, so um, I think Rubio still play 30 minutes plus, probably closer to 35 minutes and mm-hmm. yeah i think uh, i think ricky's gonna average more than delo pretty healthily mm, i have another 250 to 1 odds bet for you you ready for it carl okay. anthony towns for defensive player of the year <laughs> that's gotta be higher than 251 is that really only 250 250 to 1 and he's actually the highest ranked uh wolf on or Timberwolf on the uh, on the list, so nobody has nobody has better odds of winning Defensive Player of the Year on the Wolves than Carl Anthony Towns. Well, I wonder where Kogi's are. If they're like a thousand to one, I'm gonna <laughs> make a just go jump just, on it. 
Yeah, I mean, he probably won't win it, but he's a ridiculously good defender. Well, at the same time, wings and guards rarely ever win defensive player of the that's year. True. So I think that's what but they're looking at, but still, yeah. If a coach plays a PJ Tucker role and he's like, sure. that might, we might, we might find a, a loophole in Vegas' system. What if he yep. ends up defending power forwards all year? All right, who that do you think be... on the Wolves is the most likely, according to Vegas, to win sixth man of the year? On the Wolves? Mm-hmm. Vegas probably has Ricky starting, but otherwise I would say Ricky Rubio. Otherwise I'll say it's going to be, well, if, if Vegas doesn't have Rubio, they must have Beasley. Yep, Beasley. He's, he's 32nd most likely, so the, the odds are that he's going to be at least start the season in a starting role, so they don't have high odds on him winning sixth man. But they have more confidence in him sliding to a bench role and performing well than any of our current bench players actually living up to that expectation, so... Other than Ricky, though, because if they if they have him sliding to the bench, that means Ricky most likely is the guy they have sliding to the starting spot. Possibly, yeah, right? yeah. Because I can see Ricky also being a strong candidate for six man of the year this year if he stays on the bench all season. Because mm-hmm. if he is averaging a half eight assists a game and right. points, I mean twelve points somewhere in that range. Um, you know, there's going to be guys that score more than him, but there's not going to be anybody coming off the bench averaging more assists. Who do you think that Vegas has for the most likely on the Wolves to win most improved player this season? I hope it's Culver because that's looking like it's going to be who it is. It is Culver. He's uh, 20th in the league, so lots of lots of contenders ahead of him. But they've got him at 50-1 to 1 if you wanted to go drop some money on Culver winning most improved player this year. That's yeah, going to I mean, depend it, on minutes too, which I doubt he gets. But That and then there's just so many other teams with guys that are going to, you know, that have good cases or, or more um, attention, right? Like the Wolves aren't, are always kind of one of those forgotten teams anyway. So mm-hmm. it's that part would make it tough, but you know, I'm intrigued and, and encouraged by what I've seen in the preseason because Culver's definitely been one of the few bright spots in our short preseason. Yeah. I could see him earning more minutes as the season goes on. Definitely. Mm-hmm. For so. sure. All right, Chad, the season's coming up. First game's on the 23rd. What is your top bold prediction for the upcoming season? My bold prediction is going to be that we're going to, at the deadline, trade Malik Beasley, and we're going to get Aaron Gordon. And I think that because it's just like the D'Lo situation where, you know, the Wolves have been rumored to be interested in Gordon for going on, mm-hmm. you know, two and a half seasons now, um, so basically since Rosas took the job. That's kind of what happened with D'Lo. They made the move for D'Lo. Now they got a, a contract in Beasley that they can make a trade to get um, Aaron Gordon. I'm not saying that this is a deal I would necessarily advocate for um, because I think Beasley is still a better shooter and that's what we would need out of that. But Gordon would be a legit starting power forward for this team and would fit alongside Cat at least offensively yeah. Yeah. well. Um, he could play so that role man sense. position that they still need. Yep. Yeah. So that, that would be my bold prediction that the Wolves trade for Aaron Gordon. Okay. How about you? My bold prediction is that even though the season is only 72 games as compared to 82 most seasons, that they will have three players this season that will set the new team record for three-pointers made in a season. And I'm going to guess that it's Towns, Russell, and Beasley at this point because Towns would have broken it easily last year if he would have been healthy the whole year, and then Russell and Beasley obviously came in later in the season and only got you know, less than 20 games each. So... uh, if they shoot at the rate that they have in the past and they stay healthy, I think all three of them will set new team records for three-pointers made in a season. So I don't know how bold it is. It's, it's really being bold on health, but yeah, 
No, but it's a good bet. I mean, I, I can't disagree with that at all. That makes good sense. Uh, well, if you don't disagree, then it's not bold enough. <laughs> I'd, I'd say four, but I have no idea who the fourth is. Yeah, who would be the fourth? I guess it would be Edwards at this point because of his propensity for shooting him. Could be, or it could be... It's him or Wancho. Wancho or Lehman, even, who, depending on who gets Two more starts, minutes there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can't go four. I can't. I can't just. Can't, I just can't <laughs> no. do four. So they're not going to be finished the season that high. All right, Chad. Well, we'll see how uh, how our predictions play out this year. We have learned tonight that you hate Kyrie Irving and Russell Westbrook, and uh, I am not so opinionated on on that end of the spectrum. But uh, well, I will, be, I will clever. I don't hate. I do hate Kyrie Irving. I don't hate Russell Westbrook. I just don't like him as a fit on a team that I you know would want to win. I, I think he's a, he's super fun to watch, and I kind of like his attitude. I just don't want him on my team. Understood. So. <laughs> Thank you, Chad. We'll see how that plays out for you. Yeah. All right, man. Thanks for coming right. on. Yep, take care. Talk to you soon. See ya. Bye.